Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Matt Tomatz. So Matt is a sports performance coach and sports science coordinator at TC Boost Sport Performance, which is a performance facility just outside Chicago. And his expertise is in speed development and coaching. And he coaches athletes ranging from 12 years old all the way up through to professionals. So who better today to discuss how youth athletes can be training speed to improve their sporting performance in the long term. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Matt onto the show. So Matt, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Pleasure to be back. Thank you very much for joining us again. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Fantastic. So my name is Matt Tomatz. I'm currently a sports performance coach and the sports science coordinator at TC Boost Sports Performance, which is a private facility outside of Chicago where sprinting is our competitive edge. So uh, a little bit about my stops. So I played baseball at Truman State, a D2 school. I got my master's at TCU, Texas Christian University, where I worked mainly with the beach volleyball team, had my thesis published in GSCR on load monitoring. Now I am at TC Boost, and where I want to go in the future, anything with coaching, athletes, actually working with athletes, uh, speed training, numbers, and uh, higher-level athletes, anything like that is uh, good enough for me. Absolutely. Excellent, mate. So obviously, like that speed development stuff is is your forte. That's what you've been doing the last couple of years, and uh, and you've been doing some really interesting work on it. So I wanted to tap into your wisdom and knowledge on that subject and uh, have a look at youth athletes, because obviously you're working with um, yeah younger populations um, and getting them ready for the rigors of, of potentially life, but also potentially professional sport when they get older. So I... First things first, why should young athletes look to improve their speed? Uh, I think young athletes should look to improve their speed because no coach has ever said, man, this athlete is just too fast. Could you give us slower ones, please? <laughs> um, but but with, with, with all, all, all jokes aside, first, speed is trainable. You know, to, to be like, oh, this kid's fast or this kid's slow. You know, it definitely is, is not fair to say to anyone. Now, with that being said, I think the genetic component is definitely not as understood as we might like. But although it might affect where your speed starts or where your ceiling could be, anyone can get faster. So I'm not going to say that I can get you fast, but I can get you faster, right? So everyone can get faster than what they are right now. Um, And why youth athletes should start is it just sets them up for success when they get older. You know, whenever we get our, our pro guys in, they always say, man, like if I start training with you guys in, in college and we get our college guys in, man, if only I started training with you when I was in high school and so on and so forth, right? You know, it'd be pretty impressive if a youth athlete said, man, if only I started with you when I was five, which <laughs> probably would have happened, but uh, just sets them up for success when they get older because nowadays with social media and just how objective everything can be, not that it should be, you know, like when you think NFL combine, NFL getting recruited, What's, what's your 40 time, right? When you're getting recruited to play college baseball, what's your 60? Um, but on the flip side, um, as everything's more of a sliding scale continuum, I have an athlete who is committed to one of the top uh, colleges for lacrosse. First day with her, I was super excited, moved well in the warm-up, jumped pretty well, but just ran poorly. So at the end of the day, you have to be good at your sport to be good at your sport, but you can't ignore 
the importance of speed and speed is trainable. Absolutely. Excellent. Mate. And <clears throat> when we are looking at training speed and, and that trainable quality, what kind of physiological adaptations are we looking for when we're training that? Mm-hmm. So I, I say that there's, there's three components, whether it's a, a triangle or different um, bar levels that, that you're, you're going for, but there, there's three parts to being fast. So there's force, mechanics, and then rhythm slash timing. So you got to hit the ground hard because it hits you back. You got to hit the ground well, so in the right direction. That's your mechanics. But then also you have to put it all together. That's the rhythm and timing. And I was trying to, to figure this out as this is a concept that I've been talking about more, but in baseball, we call it the kinetic chain, right? In lifting, you understand the first pull, the second pull, don't pull too early, right? Everything has to go together for a, a snatch or a clean. And maybe because sprinting is so fast or it's very cyclical, so many steps in a row as opposed to just one action. But I think the rhythm and timing, it's hard to quantify, but that's often most kids missing link. So you got to hit the ground hard, got to hit it well, and you got to put it together. Um, but but tying this into youth athletes, what do you think of, of those three things youth athletes are not capable of? Uh, force production generally and the coordination will be probably for a lot of kids who are uh, going through puberty and getting taller, longer and yeah, a little bit sillier. Um, then uh, yeah, I can imagine the coordination goes to, goes to rubbish to put it nicely. For sure. So like physiologically, literally physically, they cannot get you know bigger stronger they just don't have the hormones to do that right so how do you set them up for success when they can chase that adaptation we'll get them moving really well and have them hit the ground well for when they do hit puberty right so you know just as when when i talk programming with coaches for winter well how do you set yourself up for success when you can't go outside right don't just ignore it well if you can't chase super high force outputs, well, how do you set yourself up for success when you can, right? So I think, um, you know, chasing what they can get better at right now, even if it's not that easy to quantify, right? Mechanics, rhythm and timing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so those are the, the three categories of adaptations that make people fast. And how, how does it differ between the youth athletes and the older, no, let's, let's say adult athletes, um, mm. when it comes to, to training that speed? Because obviously then you're potentially not going to look at quite as much force development for the younger guys and girls. Um, but how, how does that then differ? For sure. So, so just how if we talk, you know, writing a program, you have your goal and then your blocks and then et cetera, et cetera. So what is the goal of each kind of age group? So my 9, 10, 11 year olds, I kind of just say, make them want to come back, right? Do they understand that there's this fun thing that's not the sport that helps the sport? Can they just get that, right? My middle schoolers, you know, 12, 13, 14, can they learn that there's a process, there's a rhyme and reason, right? But again, we can't really chase force. We can't really chase, you know, crazy, crazy times because they'll hit their growth spurt. Coordination goes out the window, right? But can they learn how to a march, how to a skip? Can they learn how to coordinate a fly 10 max effort sprint, which is hard for some kids that age, right? And just learn that there's a process. I know what I'm talking about most of the time, right? Um, There's a rhyme and a reason. High school, so 15, 16, 17, 18, you train for a goal, right? Making varsity, getting a scholarship, when you can really make some awesome physiological changes right after puberty. 
And then college or the adults, 18 plus, train to dominate. So what are the holes in your game? How do we get you feeling really good and really like help you double down on what you're really good at or just fill in those holes to make you more well-rounded? So make them want to come back, learn how to train, train for a goal, and then train to dominate is kind of how I compare and contrast. Um, and then uh, uh, another example that that I always give with the, the youth athletes, um, if we do something similar, they'll be like, hey, we did this last time. What the heck, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then with the older athletes, like, is this new? We haven't done this before, you know? So, yeah. um, so I'd say varying it, not just for variety's sake, but making it more complex to challenge that rhythm, the coordination, the mechanics, kind of all that stuff. And then dialing it in a little bit more consistent, know what um, gets your older athletes feeling good, what is simple but effective for those older athletes. Absolutely awesome. So when we, when we take those youth athletes, um, have you got any kind of tips and tricks that you they might use if they don't have access to a, a facility like yours or to a to a high level coach who can help them? Like, what what can those athletes do to improve their sprinting speed? Mm-hmm. So, um, going back to those those three that like three parted triangle, right? Force, mechanics, rhythm, and, and timing. Well, which one of those three needs equipment? None necessarily. <laughs> force you could kind of get away with missing flyers, maybe. Maybe but, force. Yeah. yeah. If, if 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 we talk, you know, getting stronger, resistant sprints. Well, yeah. two of those three don't, right? So get so doubling down on like getting super awesome at dribbling, at doing your A series, every bound, hop, skip, um, gallop, variation, and doing things sideways, rotating all of this good stuff to just become the best kind of well-moving athlete, I think just sets you up for so much more success when you get access to that coach, that equipment, when you go to that next level up in school, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but on the flip side, there's plenty of, of uh, inexpensive options. Like I, I recently wrote an article that'll be posted here. So the, the really thick bands in the weight room, the thickest ones that no one's ever uses because they're way too thick. If you put, Two of those together, I think each is like 30 bucks. We use our double band setup more than our 1080 sprint. You can take it anywhere, super cheap, super effective. You can get, I've had 40 plus athletes doing speed training at the same time just with these uh, double bands, right? So I think that there's plenty of cost effective options. You could talk like Exergenie, or I think it used to be called the trainer. Um, if you do want to go the equipment route, but uh, looking at my notes here, um, I think a huge, huge concept is Charlie Francis is 95%. So basically, a high-intensity sprint, the speed that is fast enough to get you faster, um, double down on you have to run fast enough to get faster. So when is your time to do your speed training sessions? Challenge your mechanics, challenge your rhythm and timing. But when it's your time to do your all-out sprints, walk back right no one's trying to get the best at running at 85 percent of your max speed right so it's this weird i don't want to use a, a cliche term like like culture or whatever but this just work harder if i'm not tired if i'm not dead my legs aren't burning i'm not working right that's that's not how speed works that's what practice is for so the games are for right set yourself up for success by walking back in between your sprints Wear a watch on your wrist. You know, if you do a 10-yard sprint, one-minute rest, 20-yard sprint, 
two minutes rest, et cetera, et cetera. Or basically a very slow walk back also lines up. So you have to sprint fast enough to get faster and that's 95% or better of your best. And have you got any uh, tips for coaches who might have a group who, um, yeah, they, they come back and they're ready to go and they're like, they're chomping at the bit. They can't wait to, to get back out there again and do another sprint. What can coaches do in that situation to, to kind of make sure that their athletes aren't moaning the whole time at them, telling them they need to go and they're, they're ready? For sure. So uh, I think first you can set the expectation early right? Which is a little bit more the art of coaching. But, you know, as, as we're wrapping up on our current NFL combine training season, the, the workouts are shifted to less volume, faster sprints, less technique, more just running, less reps, et cetera, et cetera, right? And just as soon as the session starts before the warm up, hey guys, we're going to think simple, fast, high quality today. You should not, not feel dead at the end of this workout, right? So when some, when, when an athlete comes up to me and says, one more, or I'm not tired yet, or X, Y, Z. It's like, homie, we, we, we talked about it, right? Either I was speaking Spanish or you weren't listening, which one, you know? Um, so you can set that expectation early and just say, this is how it should feel. This is the plan. And this is why, because it's valuable to teach the athlete, right? Or you just say, Hey, stand still and talk trash for a minute. You have a, a minute rest, you know? So being, uh, being creative, but not sacrificing the, high quality speed work. Awesome, mate. So um, when we put all this together, like, how do you go about improving athletes' performance in your day-to-day practice? Can you, can you walk us through a case study as to, to how that might look? For sure. So um, I'll, I, I will give a, a meta kind of bigger example first. Um, so with youth athletes, I've had athletes train with me for a few months. They'll leave for three, four months, just being in season with football or American football. <laughs> and they'll, they'll come back and they PR on everything. New, new jump PR, new top speed PR, et cetera, et cetera. And they haven't seen me in four months, right? They're just a little bit bigger, a little bit faster, a little bit stronger just because of, of puberty, as we kind of talked about, right? So if we know that like our kids getting better because of us or in spite of us, right? So how do we just set them up for success in more of a, a, a long-term plan idea, knowing that puberty is happening or not happening, their coordination is going to go out the window. But then with our pro guy who uh, is on his sixth year in the CFL as a receiver, it took us two weeks of just slow on-ramp and six weeks after that for him to, quote-unquote, feel explosive again. Um, just comparing where the results are important, and at the end of the day, if I'm getting paid to get you faster, I should be able to do that. But um, with different age groups comes different um, goals, different expectations, um, kind of compare and contrast with the, the youth idea. Um, and then uh, after hijacking your question, going back to your, your question, a little bit more specific, um, like what does a day of speed training look like? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, please. For sure. So I, I see most of my athletes an, an hour at a time. And I say that we typically get about four blocks in. So our warm-up slash jump block is about 15, 20 minutes. That's where we go through our um, general movement, our landing and balance, mechanics, and then our, our like plyometrics, measure jumps, stuff like that. 15 to 20. And then depending on our emphasis of the day, whether it's uh, top speed, excel, 
or long excel slash change of direction on like day three. That'll be the longest block of 15 to 20. The other speed, so if it's not top speed or excel, it's the other one. That'll be like 10 to 15. And then our change of direction will be about 10 at the end. But it's always warm up jump, top speed, excel, change of direction, slash agility, just different ratios depending on the emphasis of the day. Um, and then within one of those blocks, not to get too uh, theoretical as your listeners are trying to uh, take notes, but within one block, we have three main types of drills, how I describe it. We have our mechanics drills, so that's a little bit slower, more thinking, more internal cueing. You have your integration drills, where it's a little bit more full speed, getting towards that higher effort. And then you have your drills. It's going to be your time sprints, your partner races, stuff like that. Um, so that's like the skeleton of a day. And then you, you mix and match the details based on age, number of athletes, um, equipment, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely fantastic. So Matt, massive thanks for your time and effort today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking and super interesting. Where can people find more information about you and what you're up to? For sure. So uh, I'm, I'm on Instagram and Twitter probably uh, a little more than I should be, but that is at Coach Big Toe. It's a play on my last name. I'm not a podiatrist, as I've been asked before. Coach B-I-G-T-O-E. Um, that is where I'm, I'm probably the most accessible by DM. Uh, I, I love educating and working with coaches as much as I do athletes. Um, so I always love chatting with, with great coaches like yourself. And I, I have my longer form content on my podcast that is at the talking shop podcast not as creative as i thought it was like three years ago um (laughs) and uh and also my my youtube just matt tomats just on youtube absolutely fantastic so matt massive thanks for your time and effort it's been a pleasure talking and i uh very much look forward to the next one likewise thank you again cheers buddy and that's it once again a massive thanks to matt for all of his hard work on today's podcast i really appreciate it i'm sure you do at home too before you leave i want to point you in the direction of the science of sport coach academy now the coach academy is an overgrown library of sports science lectures and these lectures are broken down into bite-sized chunks which means you can fit them in and around your basic coaching schedule Next to that, you will, of course, receive a certificate of completion for every course that you complete, and that means that you can prove your ongoing education too. So if you're interested in getting into the Coach Academy completely for free, you can do so using the link in the show notes in just a few seconds' time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.